Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning with the Double L team, Lyle and Lawson filling in for Mon while she is in Africa. Coming up in today's show, we're going to hear quite a bit from Mon in Africa. We have a, uh, a section where she does her regular radio log along with an interview of one of the people or a number of people over there helping out with the program in Kenya right now. You are going to be absolutely gobsmacked by some of the things that she has been up to. You are going to find out that Mon, and here we are announcing it publicly on the radio, is guilty of the offence of being an international smuggler, of all things. So she'll tell you all about that in just a moment when she comes on air. Of course, we know all of this because this is the delayed broadcast, so it's already happened. And uh, we can give you a sneak preview of all the other different stories that are going to come up. We're going to talk about... Uh, cockroaches versus flowers on Valentine's Day. What are you buying on Valentine's Day in Texas now? You can now buy cockroaches on Valentine's Day. And if you want to know what that story is about, then you're going to have to stay tuned because we're going to mention that as well. Of course, coming up in our regular uh, Bible study section, we are now deep into the subject of the seven trumpets. The seven trumpets of the, the last of the three sevens, seven churches, seven seals, and now seven trumpets. The last of these sevens, we get into that uh, here in uh, <clears throat> as we dig into this section, this important section on the book of Revelation with our encounter with God section. And of course, our question of the day, who was Ellen White? So that and so much more coming up on today's show. But before we get into all of that, we do need to remind you that if you want to be part of the live show and if you're struggling with your local transmitter, if you're getting a delayed broadcast through your local transmitter, there are a number of ways that you can get the live show. Number one, you can call 1-800-324-843 and lobby Faith FM to give your transmitter upgraded or make a donation to Faith FM so that your transmitter can be updated and upgraded to get the live show or you can tune in via using the tune in app which is what i use to listen to faith fm perfect signal australia wide or simply go to faithfm.com.au and press play always so much fun on the live show you can call in you can participate you can join in the quiz you can join in with the free giveaways and so forth Great to be with you guys. Enjoy the show as we launch into Faith FM. Thank you. 
Welcome back, everybody. As always, at this hour of the morning, we cross to Mon in Kenya for our radio log update. Mon, great to have you on the show again this morning. Thanks, Lyle. How's it going, everyone? Going great over here. Well, I'm going to give you an update with the difference. Uh, so no mission stories today because I've been dying to talk to you guys about something since the moment I set foot in this country and I just need to get it off my chest. <laughs> so, so I've been hearing this rumour, Mon, that you've been involved in <laughs> illegal activity and the importation <laughs> of uh, illegal contraband. You have become a smuggler, an international smuggler. And it was an caught, accident. You could end up in jail in Kenya. I plead innocence because it was an accident, okay? I plead ignorance is what I actually plead. <laughs> but, yes, I have been uh, involved in some illegal smuggling activities. But I didn't know until I was on the plane already, okay? So it's not my fault. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I definitely want to talk to you. And I know that you guys are going to accuse me of being a greenie, but I don't care. I just want to talk about this for a minute. So, get this right. You know how Australia's banned? Well, Australia's trying to eradicate the use of plastic bags, right? Kenya, first country in the world to do this, gone one step further and like a whole huge leap further and has actually banned, like made them illegal. Like you could cop a 50000 Australian dollar fine or be imprisoned for four years if you get busted with a plastic bag. And so we were warned, like not like don't even carry one down the street because the police see you, they can pull you over and bust you. And like on the plane, you know how to give you a little custom declaration slip and you have to like tick all the things that you're bringing into the country? Literally, plastic bags was on that list. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. My mind was just being blown because, I mean, my suitcase was full of plastic bags. <laughs> I used them like to, to make, you know, uh, spillable things watertight. This so is, like this my shampoo and that kind of thing. This is, this is Mon the Greenie who has been campaigning to get rid of plastic bags here in Australia <laughs> and has packed a suitcase full of plastic bags to take to Kenya where it's totally illegal. <laughs> I didn't realise, okay. And, yeah, I do think we should use less, but sometimes they have a good purpose in life. And, like, my shampoo and conditioner, I've had them explode in my suitcase before and it's a massive mess. And so I actually put them in a plastic bag even if I put them in a toiletry bag, so if they do shatter or, or leak or whatever, it's less of a mess to clean up. So that's what I use it for predominantly. But I was like freaking out that I was going to get off the plane in Nairobi and be arrested or something because they'll confiscate them and they'll maybe even fine you. But thankfully, when we arrived at Nairobi Airport, and just to give you an idea, like, like Nairobi Airport is supposed to be the biggest airport in Kenya. And it's about, I want to say, a third of the size of Hobart Airport. So everyone's ever flown into Hobart and thought to themselves, this is a tin shed. Nairobi is even less of a tin shed. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, and when we got there, the three different planes had arrived all at the same time and so they, they just couldn't handle it. And the, the staff were completely stressed out and um, basically waving people through. And even though they... um. They stuck our suitcases uh, to go on the little conveyor belt through the x-ray machine. No one was actually standing on the other side looking at the screen watching the x-ray. So there was like no point. Um, they didn't open any bags. And everyone, whatever anyone was smuggling in that day, it was a successful smuggling day. Um, so, so we all got through. And, um, yeah, like I, I, um, I haven't seen any flying on the street. And that's been one of the, the – 
the main good results. And so I, I did some research about it because obviously it's very interesting, a, country, a third world country in particular, stepping forward and making um, plastic bags illegal. But apparently the positive results have just been incredible. Uh, um, so as you can imagine, any third world country – there's just filth everywhere, especially in the cities, on the streets, on the median strips, uh, in the waterways. And um, the plastic bag apparently was quite the, the fixture of Kenyan street culture. And now not a single one to be seen anywhere. There's still other other filth and other dirt and, and, uh, and litter, but there's no plastic bags. And they're like quite big compared to other litter. Um, you know, you hear that slimy plastic bag on the side of the road or blowing across the street. There's none of that here whatsoever, which is just incredible for a third world country to, to get to that state. Um, and even, I know this is a bit gross, but even abattoirs have been reporting that um, instead of the usual 50%, of the animals that they slaughter, um, finding a pl- a plastic bags in their guts, um, they now it's dropped down to about ten percent. And even though, like, I don't advocate the eating of meat or slaughtering or abattoirs, I do think it's a great positive step that animals are no longer consuming and ingesting plastic bags. So that's really great as well. And like, the waterways are a lot clearer as well, and yeah. uh, which is great. I um, I, you know, I've travelled to a number of developing countries myself, and typically the waterways are just a a flowing a flowing mess of plastic waste heading out towards the ocean, um, which is always so disappointing when you go to these beautiful locations that you know great tourist sites, and the moment you look mm. at the river, and of course, you know, so much of Kenya's economy runs on tourism because it's just such a great location to go to to you know to look at the African bush, Absolutely. the African wildlife, the African you know, uh, whole environment. And, of course, the pictures that we get so often, very hard to take photos of all of this wildlife without having plastic litter everywhere. But it sounds like they're doing an amazing job and this should be just fantastic for their economy. Well, absolutely. I mean, the waterways, it's not just about the tourism for them. Um, it's also such a huge part of Kenyan life because of the, because of the third world status and the poverty. Like the waterways double is so, will triple up, you know, in, in terms of purpose. People, like every time we drive past a creek or a stream or a river, there's people washing themselves, washing their food, washing their clothing, just washing everything in there. So having them clear of, of plastic bags is incredible. And like you said, with the tourism, um, and there's been, uh, they've been reporting that Lake Victoria, which I'm actually going to be visiting next week, is apparently a lot cleaner, which I'm really excited about. So apparently, like, when you were trying to take pictures of, like, the flamingos and, and, and the hippos and stuff at Lake Victoria, it was difficult to get a shot without getting some plastic bags in there. But now, all clean as a whistle. So that's really exciting. Um, and I do want to tell you something a little bit gross. So apologies to anyone who's eating their breakfast right now while they're listening to this. Um, but one of the amazing things that it's had an effect on this, 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 um, this ban is something called a flying toilet. Now, what that is, this is so revolting. I'm really sorry. Um, so in, in the slums and in the shanty towns, um, you'd have to pay to use a restroom and there'd be like a family that would be running a toilet, basically a toilet block. That was the family business was to run a toilet block. And, uh, and of course the people in these poverty stricken slums didn't want to spend the money to, to use a toilet. And so what they would do is they would just find a plastic bag floating by and grab it. And they would do their business into the plastic bag and then tie it up and then throw it onto the nearest roof. 
So whether it was a house or a, a tin shack or whatever it was that a shack off on a roof and it would be up there and that all collect and the sun would cook them and it was just really gross. And then when the rains hit, they would wash them all off the roof and onto the street. And then the cars, bicycles, motorbikes, wheelchairs would ride over them and split them open and the stench apparently was just overwhelmingly disgusting. And all those flying toilets all cleared up. Wow. The, that you have, yeah. you have truly grossed us out this morning, but that sounds <laughs> like a good solution to me. Not sure that we wanted to hear that yeah, story so over our breakfast show, but uh, <laughs> a, a good outcome well, there. Yes. Glad to hear that it's no longer happening anymore. Yeah. It doesn't exist anymore, which I'm really happy about now that I'm here. Um, but it's also had like a positive effect on the economy, for, especially for those people and those families that do run these these public restrooms that people pay for. Um, they're seeing a, a massive increase in people who are now being responsible and just paying, you know, the couple of cents to use the loo. And, uh, and so it's had a, a really great effect there. Um, I mean, there has been some negative effects. There's a couple of corporations who are trying to sue the government over it because it's, you know, affecting retail and people um, not being able to carry their stuff home, especially like things that need watertight um, <coughs> bags, like particularly in food and and uh, and those kind of businesses. Um, but you, you have seen, I have seen now uh, when I walk through the city, a lot of a lot of um, little stall and, and, and vendors pop up that now sell various plastic bag alternatives. So like fabric bags and coated bags and so forth. Um, you can purchase them anywhere now. They do have these little nifty plastic, uh, sorry, fabric bags that you can buy, very, very thin fabric, thinner than the ones that you can get at um, Coles and Woolies, but, but it's very similar to that kind of thing now. So it's like opened up a whole new side of business. And it's just remarkable just walking around, seeing people just so much further ahead than Australia and just reusing their bags and being diligent to always remember to bring their bags to the market stores and so forth. It's just like you watch the people at these kind of dodgy market stores on the side of the road and yet there they are being responsible, looking after the planet and using a reusable bag. Like it's, it's almost just it's, – it's incredible. It blows my mind. But um, I haven't been caught yet with my little stash of plastic bags, so I'm pretty happy about that. Um, I'm actually sitting next to one right now. Can you hear it? Yes, we can hear that, Mon. And uh, you, all heard it, you all heard it here on Faith FM. This is Mon <laughs> in Africa admitting to being a uh, an international smuggler of illegal contraband. But, Mon, that's actually a really fantastic story. Thank you so much for sharing it with us this morning. We are going to have to move on with the show. And we do look forward to your next radio log when you next join us here on Faith FM. No worries. Take care, guys. What kind of man would wash men's feet, get pushed around and turn the other cheek? I want to be more like him every day in every way. So little time he took for himself. He was more concerned for everybody else I want to be more like him Every day In every way 
Listening to BJ Thomas, I want to be more like Jesus here on Faith FM. Let's have a clue for our quiz oh, there, Lawson. Yeah, let's have a clue for the quiz, mate. Let's what have you go. got for us? Okay, this is a Who Am I quiz. So this is a person. Who Am I quizzes are my favourite quizzes. I love thinking about people. Like, when it comes to things or cities, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's all right. That's, that's all right. But I like thinking about people because people are cool. But this person, you know, you might have a different opinion. But here we go. <laughs> That's the first clue That's for the quiz. That's the first clue for the no, quiz. No, no. may have a different opinion. <laughs> they may not be cool. Yeah. Okay. I am one of the people led away by Peter's hypocrisy. Ooh. Let me think about this for a second. I'm going to write this name. Oh, and he's got it correct. Yeah. So, no double prizes up for grabs today. Bullseye. But... <laughs> You can give us a call 1-800-324-843 and you will get a prize. Lyle, what's what's happening around the world today? Well, we did say we were going to talk about cockroaches, didn't we? Yeah. So, I've got a number of different uh, um, short stories here. So, this one comes from a Texas zoo, mm-hmm. which has taken a very different approach to Valentine's Day. Uh, yep. So, you can go to this zoo and uh, every day they feed cockroaches to their meerkats, right? Uh-huh. And if you have an ex, you can have a cockroach named after your ex and have it fed to a meerkat. Oh, that is so petty. Like, that is so terrible. (laughs) And you would think, yes, that is petty and that is terrible. But the fascinating thing is, and they're meerkats. There's actually quite a number of uh, creatures there at the zoo who eat cockroaches, not just the meerkats, Mm -hmm. a bunch of other um, creatures that eat these critters. Yep. And uh, as it turns out, they ran out of submissions because they didn't have enough cockroaches. Dude, they're just making bank. To fulfill the demand for Valentine's Day. That is so good. That is terrible and good at the same time. (laughs) And I think this is one that we're going to need to ask uh, David Stojic when he comes in for his uh, regular weekly interview. Is is this actually going to bring closure to people? You know, name a cockroach after your ex. Have it eaten by a meerkat and then you will feel better. Is that the way to feeling better? You know, I tend Possibly. to think that I tend to think that uh, forgiveness is actually a better solution mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because then if you're able to forgive somebody, and that does not mean that you forget, but it does mean that you forgive. It does mean that they are no longer living rent free in your brain. Yeah, 
And why would you give somebody that kind of a privilege that you dislike? That's a, that's a privilege nobody that you dislike. I, don't know. I, I feel like it is like pretty symbolic of you know getting rid of them from your life, just sending it like <laughs> into, into a meerkat, like a cockroach, like you know. In a contrasting story, yeah. uh, and I think this one was coming out of South Australia, there was an elderly lady in the supermarket who made a passing comment about um, how that she would have liked someone to buy her uh, Valentine's Day flowers on Valentine's uh-huh. Day. Uh-huh. You know, just wouldn't that be nice kind of thing? Yep. And a young man was there with his girlfriend, overheard, overheard what she said and just went and picked up a bouquet of flowers, went through the checkout, paid for them, and on the other side, handed them to the lady and wished her a happy Valentine's Day. Oh, what a sweet. And her girl, her, his girlfriend caught it on uh, video, yep. posted on her Facebook, and of course, it's got, gone viral. <laughs> so, lots of, lots of people commenting and, uh, you know, this lady completely made her day. Of course, she's elderly. Mm. She is lonely. Um, she has, you know... A lot of people reach this part of their life where all of their friends have passed away and often mm. their family as well or they don't have any family. And uh, and she had somebody, just a random stranger, who uh, just a young man, who bought her a bouquet of flowers for Valentine's Day. So I tend to think that, you know, you can use Valentine's Day to buy mm. a cockroach or a bouquet of flowers. Where would your money be better spent? And which is going to make you feel better at the end of the day? Feeding your... Feeding a cockroach named after your ex to a meerkat or buying a bouquet of flowers for um, a random elderly lady? I think, I think it's just some, you know, personal decision, you know. <laughs> I, think, I think it's up to the person how they feel <laughs> that should go down. It's so funny when you well, go... I tend to think that, I, to be honest, um, it is more blessed to give than receive. 100%. And uh, 100%. I'm, I'm going to go with the bouquet, bouquet, yeah. bouquet of flowers. Oh. If you are feeling bad, if you are feeling miserable as a result of um, a relationship breakup mm-hmm. and uh, you are feeling like your ex is nothing more than a cockroach, then go and do something positive for somebody yeah. else. It will definitely make you feel better. 100%. It's so funny, though, when you, you go on Instagram and, like, all the Instagram stories are, like, all these people, like, happy Valentine's Day. And then, like, you've got the contrasting Instagram stories where it's, like, you know, me on Valentine's Day and it's just some guy sitting on the couch, like, eating a bag of chips and, like, watching TV. It's, like, all the single people versus all the together people. And it's, like, man, it's, like, such... There are so many happy people on Saturday to Valentine's Day and there's so many unhappy people. All the sad sacks. Yeah. Were you joining the sad sacks on Valentine's Day, Lawson? I was getting out there and knocking on doors. Oh, <laughs> so, hey, man, praise God. So, so. That's, that's something to do on Valentine's Day. That, that is Day. probably the best thing you can that do on give Valentine's you a buzz Day. For sure, absolutely. Okay, so what else we got here in... Uh, this is an interesting one. Um, <clears throat> disorders affecting penis development in male babies have more than doubled in the last 40 years. And what this has been caused by is endocrine-disrupting chemicals that are used in the production of plastics, cosmetics, flame retardants, and pesticides, which are actually basically blocking the hormones that create uh, masculinity in babies. That is is, crazy. That is seriously crazy. Has doubled in the last 40 years. That is terrible. That's like the worst thing it's ever. Like an attack, and that's an attack on our masculinity. Oh, uh, from the, like, from. And there's nothing you can do about it. I was going to say from the environment, but from, like, the anti environment. From, from the abuse of the, the environment. The abuse of the environment. 
Wow. See, I'm more than 40 years old, so... Well, so you're good. I can, yeah. claim, I can claim immunity. <laughs> wow. No, you can't, I can't claim immunity because it's doubled in the last 40 years. Yeah. But, um, you know, it does sort of make you wonder how different was our world back in the day before we had the Industrial Revolution and, yeah. and the Technology Revolution, the Information Age, all of these uh, kinds of things that have really just ha- happened over the last uh, mm. 200 years. It's for, really for a short space of time. It's really weird for me. Like like I'm I'm 20 and and being a student of I the Bible. I you were 19. No, I'm 20. I turned 20 last October. What's oh, wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I am um, I'm 20 now and you know, I'm a student of the Bible and a student of history um, because of that and constantly looking back in time and saying, "Oh, these things were ages ago and these things are relatively close." And then I realized like Man, I was born in 1998. Like, and I think about like I'm. I was driving down a road yesterday, and I'm like, this road existed before I existed. Like, and this having some deep thoughts. This 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 speed sign existed before I and this fire station and and this and this and this and I'm just like, I'm so young. I'm so little, and I'm like, man. Lawson, and, and and this is Lawson who spent time in Europe. Yeah, I'm like where this existed before. Yeah, this existed during the Roman Empire kind of stuff. Yeah, and I'm there. just like I'm so little, man. But anyways, yeah, fully. Okay, new study in the US, the UK, across the US, UK, and Canada has produced a obvious result. And that obvious result is that if you remove cannabis from society, that depression would drop. Um, in the 15 to 19 age bracket, it would drop so significantly that around about half a million less cases of depression would exist. Where did you the say Canada, this was? The US, the UK, and Canada. Wow. Half a million cases of depression would vanish if you took cannabis out of society. Wow. And I was like, seriously, do they have to have a massive study to figure this out? Mm. I mean, this is the most dirt-freddy moment I've ever come across. I mean, surely we all knew this already. Mm. It's the most obvious thing ever. Um, but this is based on 11 studies. It was published in the JMA, JAMA uh, Psychiatry Magazine uh, covering 23,317 different cases. Mm. And it represents a uh, a significant drop in Canada. Twenty percent of teenagers fifteen to nineteen years old use cannabis. Mm-hmm. Um, in the UK, that's only four percent. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know, Canada with their far left leaning governments, you can sort of see where that heads. It just, um, yeah, cannabis use is just skyrocketing, mm-hmm. and you know, society really should step in and do something about this. Prohibition has been shown to work over and over and over again. Legislators need to step up to the mark and take the um, the tough decisions and deal with the problems that are destroying young people's lives and leading to depression. Anyway, we're going to move on. This is Keith and Kristen Getty. Teach you will you tell me what must I do for eternal life? I've kept your laws completely. Sell all you have, give to the poor. Then heaven's treasure shall be yours. How hard for those who are rich on earth to gain the wealth of heaven. 
Welcome back to Faith FM. You are here with Mon, and yes, you know it. I am still in Kenya having a banger of a time. We are having a clinic today out in the Nakuru district area. And today I actually ran into four young people who were not part of our team, but they're all running around wearing matching shirts. So I figured I'd get them all into one room and torture them. I mean, interview them. So we have them all here. I'm going to run you through because I don't even know their names. I'm going to ask them what their name is, where they're from and how long they've been in Kenya. Hi, it's a pleasure to be here actually. <laughs> I'm my name is Ashiana and I'm from Mombasa, Kenya. Oh wow. So you're all, you're like a Kenyan. Kenya, yes. <laughs> so there's no point asking you how long you've been here. Yeah, no. <laughs> but I am between um, Kenya and Tanzania a lot. Oh, wow. So growing okay. up, yeah. Okay, and next one, where are you from? Who are you? Tell us. Uh, my name is Ida and I'm from Denmark and I've been to Kenya in soon two weeks and I'm going to stay until June. Oh wow, that's quite a stretch. How many months is that in total? Uh, about five months, six, five to six months, yeah. And that's all with the same organization? Yes, it is with Dandelion Africa. Okay, we're going to find out a little bit more about that organization in a minute. I'm going to keep moving around the room. Now we have the gentleman. Uh, my name is Samuel. Um, born, bred and raised in, um, in Kenya. And what? Another local, like in this area, in the Nakuru district? No, no, no. Um, I was raised in Nairobi, uh, which came to work in Nakuru. Also, no point asking you how long you've been here. And then finally... Hello, my name is Daniel Cheriot. I, I was born in Kenya, in Nakuru County. Yes. Ah, another local. So we've got three locals in it. Is it Dutch that they call you? Danish. Danish, that's right. A Danish pastries from Denmark. Is that why they call them Danish pastries? I've always wanted to ask. Yes, really? Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, I'm, I'm going to go to Denmark and eat like a load of pastries. Okay, so you're all wearing matching shirts with, uh, I guess, a silhouette of Africa and a dandelion in the middle. So who wants to tell me what that's about? Yeah, um, for Dandelion Africa, um, it was formed in 2008. Um, the name behind Dandelion Africa is that a dandelion is a weed. And it's a stubborn weed. So for us being here is something that once we go to ground, we leave a mark and we're always remembered. So that's where the name came from. Stubborn Okay, so you've named your organization after a stubborn weed. I love it. But what does Dandelion as an organization actually do? Um, Dandelion Africa um, works in works with mar- marginalized communities, especially in Nakuru and Nakuru Baringo and uh, Kajadu counties. These are where the pastoralist communities actually live, in, and our main thematic areas is health, youth, and women empowerment. Wow, that's quite the lineup. So, do you like? Because I mean, we um, the organisation that I'm here with, Kenya Health, we just do like a pop up clinic here and there. But today we're actually in like a. I guess like a permanent clinic. Is this a dandelion clinic? Is that what that is? Um, this is part of the program because we, we have, under the health, we have the, um, three different programs. Now, this one, we're doing it in a facility where we call it a facility-based um, outreach. But for the facility, we'll call it an enrich because we're doing it in. Then um, we're here over on, a, on a quarterly basis so that we're easy to monitor the progress of the people as we serve throughout the, the, the year of the, of the area. So I'm guessing that all four of you are volunteers, right? I'm doing an internship. So you're doing an internship? Yeah, I'm doing an internship. So what does, like, give me, like, a rundown of, like, I guess, because you've been here for two weeks now. What are some of the experiences you've had and, I guess, some of the daily sort of routines that you do as part of Dandelion? Uh, So far, it's mostly working with the community, definitely. And I've been most with the women's group. So I've been most with the women in the community, helping them 
uh, financial and stuff like that and leadership they are learning a lot about leadership and that's really nice because it's so nice meeting these people and getting to know them that's the biggest experience so far we have a couple of groups actually um, that consist of between 10 to uh, 22 women and um, so basically these groups of women come and we and we teach them about how to uh, handle their finances and everything. It's, it's like we create a little bank for them so that they all come and they, they're basically more aware of how to handle their financial situation and they're able to borrow out of the other women from the community as well. So that creates a really nice community. It's, um, it's helped a lot of women as well, like budget and you know save a lot and take loans and everything without having to go to the bank and go through all the hassle and just get rejected in a way. That's amazing because I did do some research before coming here and I found that uh, when they empower the women in a community, it actually results in the entire community being empowered because women are more inclined to share and, and pass on their knowledge to like their kids and teach their kids. So that's really important. I'm very impressed. Um, now, one of you did mention something about mental health that you do here. Is yeah, it? We have a few programs actually. I'll let I'll let uh, Sam take it because he's definitely more aware of the programs <laughs> that we have. Tell us everything, Sam. Yeah. Okay. Um. I know. Um. Asha has actually talked about the women groups, and um, she actually said almost everything. Uh, the main reason for the women is to ensure they're financially sustainable, without having to have external guarantors. You guarantee yourself. Like right now, you're four people instead of me going out to borrow a loan of maybe four thousand. Each of us is a thousand shillings, and I say I borrow uh, the four thousand shillings we paid with an interest, so that the group can grow and do projects as a group. And under the health program, as I said, the one we're doing is an enrich for the facility. Then we do outreaches, where we also go to the villages, where distances between the closest facility is seven and above kilometers away, and the farthest we've ever gone is one that was forty-two kilometers away from the closest facility, just to reach them, and. Uh, for that, also we have now a backpack program where we carry the sexual productive health services where a nurse goes to the village, a specific village, each and every month to ensure that defaulters for immunization um, are traced, ensure we eliminate um, defaulters, ensure everyone receives all the immunization supposed to get throughout the ages of zero to five years old, and also not to forget reproductive health where we give women the choice to decide the number of children they have through offering contraceptives. That's amazing. That's really important to do. I had to help yesterday because our head nurse, Rosemary, she, I don't know why, she's taken a liking to me assisting her with doing the rod injection. And I'm like the most squeamish person. So I'm sitting there like trying not to vomit as she's like injecting things into arms. Oh, it was so horrible. Because that rod is huge, I have to say. Now tell me, um, with Dandelion, like, because there's four people here, but is there more of you? Like, how big is your organization? Um, Actually, because we actually have 25 employees, um, permanent are actually seven, then the rest are actually volunteers. And under the volunteers, they form a group called the Youth Peer Providers. These are the people who target uh, reproductive age for between 24 and below, where they go and sensitize the community, the women, the girls, on importance of knowing your statuses of HIV, knowing importance of you when you're pregnant, why it's important for you to go for clinic, importance for you to go for testing. You don't have to be sick to go to hospital. You can just walk in and just say, I need a test of one, two, three, because in the past uh, three years, we cervical cancer has actually been the number one killer of women in our area. And so 
the reason why we focus in, in, in testing cervical cancer screening is because the earliest detected, the easiest, it actually gets um, treatable. But the fact that it goes past the stage two, then we are unable to, to treat it, and then it infects and becomes infectious. So uh, Dan is also part of the YPP. The youth peer providers it would be nice for him also to speak about it because he's here. Okay, great. Yeah, Dan, to shed some more light on that. Tell us about that. And also, I want to know like the differences in roles because I'm sure there's a difference between someone who comes from a foreign country for a short period of time and someone who's here full time. So tell us a little bit about that. Oh, yes. Thank you, Sam. For youth peer provider program, we have 10 energetic youths compressing of five girls and five boys. So these, these 10 youth peer providers goes to more than 40 schools advocating for sexual reproductive health because, you know, these students, we know they are sexually active, so they need to know more about sexuality. So in these schools, we go to tertiary colleges where we do conduct these outreaches to offer service to these students in the tertiary colleges. Yeah, we, are, we offer HIV testing and, and service and also family planning service too. Have you been able to do any sort of studies that show the effectiveness of the work that you've done in terms of like, you know, what was going on in a community and then what was, you know, after that? There is actually one that um, Wendell, who's the founder of Dandelion, she um, told me that there was a bunch of... um, there was a bunch of uh, there was a meeting between a lot of yeah. the headmasters around the community, and they were saying how one of the schools before Dandelion would go over and teach and like facilitate and everything, they were uh, their grades were way below, but now they've got one of the best the best students after we came through. So all these years that we've been. Um, we've been facilitating has really helped yeah wow yeah and at the meeting i was at the meeting too uh one of the schools said they had a teenage pregnancy before were laying on three to five where it's only one now so like the youth peers really educated kids about their sexuality and stuff so you could really see how it moved like that so it's a really good program yeah it went down from Five pregnancies, yeah, right? Five to, pregnancies. One. to one. Wow, that's incredible stats. By the way, just in case you're hearing some background noise, it is because we are actually live at a clinic right now and I've pulled these four poor souls off their jobs and I've made them stop working so they can talk to our Faith FM listeners. We have uh, in front of us the table where we're actually dividing up medications and pills and they've been very kindly helping us out here today. So that's what's going on in the background. We hope you can actually hear some of that noise. It is pretty interesting here. Now, I do want to know from you, for if you have any sort of like um, specific standout moments that you've had with a patient or with a client or maybe like a before and after or just like something that really touched your heart and made you think, do you know what? This is why I'm here. Anyone got one of those? I'm going to give you a moment to I think. <laughs> going nuts. Tell us everything. So I've been here for a bit over a month, yeah, and it's been so amazing. Like, So I've, I've had the chance to go over to schools and everything, and we're actually also, I would like to mention the maternity center that we're building. Um, it was a sponsored um, center and everything, so because a lot of women have to travel by foot or by public transport to a really far hospital to give birth, and a lot of these women would lose their babies. They'd rather give birth at home, and it's just really complicated a lot of women would give birth on the side of the road or in the public transport um, just because of how far it is so we've had the opportunity to like build the maternity center which has really helped a lot and just to see these women because I happen to um, 
to interview some of them as well, and I was a translator. So just hearing the stories of these women and what they've had to go through and, you know, how they've lost their babies and, you know, how they've had so many complications just because of the hospitals and the facilities that are over here. So that, for me, was something that definitely touched me. And the second thing is also going over to schools. We have the opportunity to go over to the schools and teach them um, about sexual reproductive and all of that. And it's really nice when you're walking down the road and these little kids know your name and they're smiling and waving. They're like, Ash, Ash, hi. (laughs) And it's so sweet. It just makes you want to cry. (laughs) It's true. I had the same experience like at the clinics. I don't know. They must have overheard someone say Monica. And the next thing I know, all the little kids are like, Monica, Monica, Monica. I'm like, who told them my name? And I had the same at the Maasai markets in town. Like some of the vendors must have heard my friend say my name. And suddenly they're like, Monica, buy this. Monica, buy that. And I'm like, how do you know? <laughs> Any other stories you want to share? Share for, for today. Um, as, as I was doing the um, just um, monitoring to see how the progress is going in the outreach, there's an old man who, who came out from the clinic and he told he just told me, thank you very much. Today I'll go home and read a newspaper. And I was like, oh yes. I got spectacles, reading glasses to be able to go home, read, because he was actually complaining, I can't read my Bible because Bibles do not have big letters, they're so small. And so as he left, it was... Joy that you cannot express. It's it was just all over his face, and he just said, "As I go home, I'm going to tell people what I've gotten today." Oh, amen. That's so heartwarming to hear. I have to admit, the spe- doing the spectacles counter is like one of my favorites. I think it's one of our staff's favorites because I don't know. In some way, medication will eventually wear off, but spectacles like they'll have that for life. Yeah, what really impressed me about our mobile backpack program is that there was a time we found a woman, a mentally ill woman, who had four kids and one young and one very small baby. So is that we found this woman was getting kids each and every year, but we don't know who's giving them the pregnancy. So a well-wisher came with her to the facility. Then she gave her family planning. That really impressed me because that woman was not going to get another kid. Wow, that's a, it's such heartwarming. Do you ever cry? I, I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like, I yeah, cry as well. I cry right now. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I'm like, I have to go to the loo, and I'm just, like, having a cry out the back. <laughs> it's, in the community, they say it's a sign of weakness for men, but when it rains, we cry when yeah. it's rain. <laughs> in the rain. Another one for the same thing which really impressed me about our outreach now, outreach program, is that we found a, a young lady, 16 years old, who had one kid who was raped. Then she got pregnant. So this lady lived with stigma. So she came to that outreach point with a nine-month-old nine baby who had not gotten even any vaccination, including BCG, their three months, and so to. So she was given all of them, and she went home very happy after being cancelled. It's just heartwarming. All right, one last chance for any stories, any last-minute stories. Can anyone now tell me where our listeners might get more information? Do you guys have, like, a website or a Facebook? Somebody want to tell me about that? Yeah, we do have a website and Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. <laughs> so we're on social and Twitter, yeah, where we're very much active on social media and everything, especially Facebook um, and also our website. So the web, website is dandelionafrica.org. Yeah. 
So dandelionafrica.org. And I guess if we search on Facebook for Dandelion Africa, we'll be able to see pictures and all that kind of stuff for your work. Thank you so much for letting me drag you in this little back room. I think we're in a makeshift kitchen, actually, <laughs> that we've renovated into a quick pill counting <laughs> counter. But thank you so much for letting me interview you guys. I've already forgotten all your names. I'm really sorry. But there are four of you. It's Ash. Ida. Ida. Samwa and Dan. Thank you so much, guys. Really appreciate your time today. Back to you guys in the studio. Lyle and Lawson, don't have too much fun without me.
Nigel, and we'd like to invite you to our church, the, the Southern, Southern Illawarra Seventh-day Adventist Church. church. We meet every Saturday morning at 10.30 a.m. to study the Bible, followed by our main service at 11.30 a.m. You can find us at 107 to 109 Princess Highway, Dapto. We are in the High Ninja Hall inside the Dapto Rivenwood Centre. For more information, you can get in touch with us on Facebook. Just search for Southern Illawarra Seventh-day Adventist Church. Or contact us on 0402-716-762. We hope to see you soon. And stay tuned to Face FM. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Sing and shout the victory 